before we did Hajj, we went up to Jebel Nur, up the mountain, and went up to all the way up to Cape Hira, where, of course, Prophet Sallallahu received the first revelation. And that just, you can imagine the journey going there and standing there and reflecting and looking out onto the horizon and looking out over Mecca and, you know, imagining Jibreel with his wingspan, the full horizon. We went at night, we went about midnight or one in the morning. Despite there being two million pilgrims down below, when we actually got to the cave, there's no one else there. It was just somehow a gift to us that we were very fortunate. You know, I was able to pray and spend some time reflecting there. And that was just, just breathtaking and very meaningful to me thinking about having that connection and that journey. It was just very, very special. Stay patient and trust your journey. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the One Foot in the Sink podcast. My name is Anis and Foz is here. Assalamu alaikum everyone. And he's back. It's Peter Gold. Hey guys, assalamu alaikum. Good to be back. Assalamu alaikum. Hello my friends. Muslims. Muslims. Muslim lifestyle podcast. What do you think the podcast is about? I think it's about Muslim because you put your foot in the sink and you do a do. It's about a story called the Ghostbusters. Welcome back, Peter. So you've been on the journey? Yeah, yes. It's pretty special journey, anyone who's ever done Hajj. You have just returned. It's been about two weeks now. And feels like a whole new chapter since I've got back. Humbla was it was pretty awesome. Uh, lots to share. Really, uh, really good to be back though with you guys after before and after. <laughs> uh, it's good to have you back. Yeah, thank you, thank you. So tell us about your experience. How was it? Do you think you're a changed man? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I think it's when you get back, it's it's a process. I don't think you can just sort of all of a sudden say. I'm super Muslim coming back. Well, maybe some people can, but you know, the hard work continues. But it's, of course, an incredible experience in and of itself uh, going on Hajj. You know, I, actually, my, my journey started quite a bit earlier. One thing that people recommended, and I remember always, you know, when people go, they, you know, reach out and ask for your blessing and also your forgiveness if anything you've done wrong or make amends, things like that. So yeah, I really started sometime before going to Hajj, and that part of it was actually really powerful, just reaching out to people people maybe I've lost a bit of touch with or, you know, people I feel like, you know, I just want to reconnect a bit better with or say sorry for some small thing or rather. And and so that part of Hajj was really powerful and shouldn't be underestimated, I think, anyone just doing that. And you don't even need to wait for Hajj to do that, I, I, I realize, of course. Yeah. There's a lot of hidden wisdoms in Hajj, you know, it makes you do these kind of things that maybe you wouldn't do before. So even going before Hajj again, you know, trying to be more active with fitness and getting ready and doing lots of more extra walking uh, it's just healthy anyway, even if you weren't going to Hajj. But of course, being yeah. there was just an incredible experience. I think it's equal parts, two things. It's sort of one is this very demanding, you know, sort of test of endurance, this really powerful physical journey you have to do, have a lot of patience, you know, kind of this, you know, nuffs crushing kind of patience wearing things. But then on the other hand, you have this incredible or inspiring just completely beautiful moments of just feeling very connected and, and just feeling really incredibly grateful to be you know on such a journey and have this invitation so i feel like i could talk for a long time about it but i mean <laughs> you know there's um maybe i can share a couple little snippets of of it if, if that's good some little highlights yeah yeah of course yeah let me let me do that so so i'll just share briefly um so anyone will know anyone who's been will know so many of the things, but a couple of things that maybe I didn't expect that were 
just really very moving and, and very powerful. One of them was was actually going to Jebel Noor just before we did Hajj. We went up to uh, up the mountain and went up to all the way up to Cape Hira, where of course Prophet Sallallahu received the first yes. revelation. And yes. that just you can imagine the journey going there and standing there and reflecting and looking out onto the horizon and looking out over Mecca and you know imagining Jibreel with his wingspan, the full horizon. We went at night. We went about midnight or one in the morning and despite there being two million pilgrims down below when we actually got to the cave there's no one else there it was just somehow a gift to us that we were very fortunate that we had you know i was able to pray and spend some time reflecting there and that was just just breathtaking and very meaningful to me thinking about having that connection and that journey it was just very very special and there are actually lots of other moments during hajj lots of things happen lots of little just lots of signs many Many signs for those who reflect, you know, kept kept experiencing lots of different things, different openings. But also maybe something funny is just so I was weird because I'm, I'm a white guy, as you guys know, and I burn in the sun pretty easily. <laughs> and it was sort of mid 40s, more 40 degrees Celsius most days. It's very hot. So I was really worried. And I was probably over paranoid about, oh, gosh, I'm going to be like baking every day and just melting in the sun. <laughs> so I had to find like, you know, fragrance free oil-free sunscreen because you can't have fragrance in your haram. Yeah. You know, I had all these, you know, precautionary things and I was trying to like find little hajj hacks where, where it's like permissible but will keep me from melting. So one random thing I found <laughs> was um, there's, uh, so normally an umbrella, it stops rain from getting you, right? That's the purpose of an umbrella. Mm. But I found this very kind of random thing, which is a like a reverse umbrella that actually you press a button on the handle and it makes rain go onto you. So it's like the opposite of an <laughs> wow. umbrella. And so it, ha- it, has a fa- it has a fan in the top and rain coming down. And it's super gimmicky, but it actually worked. And when I was on, like, for example, Arafat or walking from Mustalifa, you know, in, in the sun for hours at a time, it was actually great. I made a lot of friends. People were just wanting to come under my rainy umbrella. So <laughs> that was... Um, it's a good social too. Yeah, yeah, it's just something fun I didn't expect. So, so you know, and of course, in Hajj, you make so many lovely, there's many, many delightful moments where, you know, a complete stranger becomes like a, you know, like someone you connect with instantly where, you know, you can loan them your umbrella or, you know, you can watch each other or you get this thing or you know, even if you don't speak the same language, you do, in fact, speak the same language, that universal connection that you feel, the purpose that you're there is very powerful. And I think I experienced the same of what, many others would which is just just seeing that you're just this speck in this huge universe of creation around us and just accepting and going with the flow and just sort of you know trying to humble yourself down into accepting with gratitude you know all your blessings yeah yeah it was really a very beautiful journey i'm very grateful i went for hajj in 2009 and for me that was the first time i ever went to mecca so, mm. you know, like, like yourself, I prepared for it beforehand, the process. But one of the things I wasn't expecting is the sheer number of different nationalities and people from around the world that you see. That was something that really amazed me to see Muslims from across the world. Mm-hmm. So when I was there, I actually bought a little uh, notepad and I would go around and start writing down all the different nationalities mm-hmm. I see. Because you know, a lot of the time it's so easy to see because people have the bags which would have an address on them and you can see Kazakhstan or Brazil or, you know, like different yep. parts of the world. 
So then I started writing down all the different countries people were from. I would have a question, like I would also make an effort to speak to these people. The question I would ask is like, what brought you to Hajj? Mm-hmm. And the amount of times that the answer that I got was, Allah called me. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I answered. And, and then I started to realize like, here I was. I had enough money saved up for me to go to Hajj. But you may have the money to go to Hajj, but you may not go. Like when it's your time to go, it's your time to go. You know what I mean? So that was really profound. And I think I ended my list with like 50 odd different nationalities I came across, which is subhanAllah amazing. That is amazing. And I I really felt the same just looking at all those nationalities. And being a branding and, and sort of design guy, I immediately started sort of in my head ranking all how cool all the shirts and colors and logos were <laughs> for each place. And like, so for example, like some of the best ones were like Kazakhstan or Burkina Faso, like the beautiful African style, you know, so yeah. I was thinking like, it made me start to think about branding and colors. And, and actually, here's a short, funny story is that Within one day of seeing this, just, uh, you know, as more and more people were coming to Mecca and I was seeing the groups come and these beautiful, bright, you know, Indonesian pinks or African yellows or, you know, whatever it might be. I was like, you know what? I really need an Australian one. Like, because the Australian groups, they're very small in number proportionally, but what they have is the names of the tour groups rather than this sort of Australia feel. So I, I, Right or wrong, I took it upon myself to quickly design an like what I thought would be a nice sort of universal Australian cultural kind of design that would would sort of be used by anyone would, that would like. So I got a whole bunch of shirts made quickly there in Mecca with Australia oh, wow, wow. and then in Arabic <laughs> Australia because you know not everyone could read English. And we found some nice garments that fit. And so within a couple of days, we we sort of our whole crew was sort of geared up in this <laughs> sort of Australian looking thing. And it was probably, uh, obviously, this is not during the Hajj, so I didn't feel too yeah, bad yeah. about um, <laughs> focusing on that. Yeah, but yeah. it made me think so much about identity. And then the amount of people that would come up and say, Australia, mashallah, <laughs> like, you know, when, where Australia? Yeah, like, they're yeah, just yeah. like, it's like another planet. They wouldn't even think. Oh, yeah. So I, f- I was thinking about in the Quran, it's like nations and tribes so that you may come to know one another. And then my American friends were like, oh, man, we should do an American one. I was like, yeah, just be careful. America's not the most <laughs> popular brand in, in you know, well, you know, Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, you know, it's just like, just be careful. Yeah. But of course, uh, anyway, it's another conversation. But that was funny that you, you picked up on those countries. And you also feel that you were writing a lot about it. So I, and I took myself a journal that I bought in Sydney Airport on the way out and filled almost every page by the time I got back on thoughts and reflections, ideas, sketches, du'as, things yeah. like that. So anyone who's going to Hajj, I'd recommend just taking a journal, just write mm. your heart out, you know. So it's been yeah. great going back to that since I've landed and just reflecting on those various things that I was feeling at the time. I think my favorite group of people were the Central Central Asian, the, just their outfits and their, and their hats. <laughs> it was the hats, amazing. Yeah. They, oh, man, their hat game is on point. <laughs> I was getting serious FOMO about like, yeah, man, yeah. how come these guys get cool hats? Where are the Australian hats? <laughs> so, yeah, I totally agree. It's Again, gosh, I got to stop telling you funny stories, but there was a guy from, um, I think, uh, Uzbekistan. We just saw each other and he had like a big traditional. No, he was very Turkmeni. He had a Turkmeni. You know that big kind of like fuzzy brown, like very tall hat. And yeah, um, pointy. You know, we just, yeah, we, I don't know what it's called, but we just saw each other and, he, you know, and I was just like, and he had, of course, the name Turkmenistan. 
And we gave salam. We couldn't really speak. Uh, he didn't really speak Arabic. And my Arabic's very patchy anyway. And But we gave a big hug and salam. And my friend went to take a photo. And then we, he swapped our hats. I was wearing a baseball hat. And then we swapped. And we had this beautiful photo of this guy wearing a big, uh, he's wearing the Aussie <laughs> baseball hat. And I'm wearing this big, giant Turkmeni hat. So this is Hajj, you know. This is the part of the wisdom and the hikmah. <laughs> And then I'll, that's it. We, we went our separate ways, but I'll, I'll never forget that moment. Wow. It's amazing hearing about it. I mean, having not been myself and some, you know, something we're really looking at next year, it's really inspiring hearing that. I mean, do you have any tips or any uh, advice for anyone planning to go or in their mindset? They've got, okay, right, I'm going next year. Any uh, few quick short tips you can give? Yeah, look, I think there's um, there's a lot of great resources and even like my friend Chris from LaunchGood, he wrote a nice article where he sort of gathered, cause he, I met him there and he was on his second Hajj. And you, if you just Google, you know, LaunchGood Hajj, I think there's some, you know, he's got a nice set of recommendations and articles. Yeah, look, there's so many little Hajj, I call the Hajj hacks, like just simple things that help you. And, and I, they're probably the same advice you would get from most people anywhere. But you know, that umbrella thing was definitely, um, <laughs> it's like a random thing that definitely helped me. Basic things like the right footwear, because you walk like, you know, 20 kilometers in a day, some days. And probably another one is the group you go with is super important. And I didn't appreciate so much until being there, how fortunate I was to go with such a wonderful group. There was only a small group, there were 25 of us. And the person leading us was knowledgeable and was also very flexible about what we were each doing. So it was just it was just truly um, great having the right group. And there was one article which you could probably find again maybe on Chris's thing, but it was about Hajj advice in five swords. So the letter sword, and I'm just scratching my mind remembering each one. But for example, Salah was one. Then there was Sabr, so you have a lot of Sabr. Sohba, you know, yeah. people having the right company. Asarf which is like you're spending, spending on the right provisions. And then the last one, Sidq, so truth, like see, seeking that inner, the depth, the truth, and going there with sincerity. And the article I read about it, those, so Hajj tips in the five swords was um, very powerful for me. So check them That's out. That's great. Thank you. I'll add a lot of this on our show notes as well. So, and it's really interesting hearing your story, especially about the umbrella. Mm. I'm already thinking back to our last episode where you're giving a design advice, like think of the problem, think how you do it. And I'm thinking you're standing there thinking exactly the same thing. Your problem was the heat. It's perfect design solution. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I think the, the execution of the, the product could have been better, but the concept was great. And it definitely helped me and it had the hidden benefit of being a magnet for all these hot hujaj that were looking and like, oh, where is that mist coming from? And then they'd see this random Aussie guy walking around and they're like, oh, I'm going to come under your umbrella. So like, come on in. <laughs> so yeah, it's cool. Where did you find the umbrella? Was that available to you when you went to Mecca or did you buy it from Australia? No, I, I got it when I was there. I like kind of exploring things like that. I thought, oh gosh, this is very gimmicky, but yeah. if it worked, as I said, I was paranoid about getting so baking and burning and you can't wear anything in your head. You know, you've got to have just such yeah. a, you've got to be, it's everything is about being, you know, just not creating a show of wealth or, you know, how you present. So yeah, I found it there in, in Bindawood, which is the big popular place everyone goes. It was, a, I think, a new thing they were trying and you could pick it up there. Cool. So yeah, recommended. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so before we move on to the next section, after returning from Hajj, has anything changed for you in your mindset or anything like that? Yeah, I think quite a few things. So I, I wanted to really use Hajj as, I guess, I kind of call it a pause. So if you think of my, my last chapter of life, what I was doing, 
hajj is kind of like a pause or like a full stop in that sentence and now coming back it's a new sentence or a new chapter i don't want to come back and say that you know i've just transformed into this uber muslim knowledgeable like you come back with a renewed sense of what i've called hajj habits so you, when you're there one of the things on arafat that you learn about is making this wuquf al-qalb this waqf this um commitment and this an understanding of a relationship of what you you have with Allah and i think coming back there are certain things that habits that i've tried to maintain alhamdulillah mostly with some success though you know i still definitely need to work on a bunch of things of course in and just simple things like when i was there i deinstalled all of my social media off my phone just so i could focus more be present so i you know uninstalled you know instagram and all the facebook everything and slack you know my main platform for team comms and coming back i decided you know what would it be like if i don't reinstall that social media would i still feel the same presence so for two weeks now i've just been using the desktop version of social media and i have to say it's been just that's a great thing for for me because it just means i'm i'm less checking my social like mindlessly so now if i need to post or check something or whatever i'll sit and do it in office hours i won't just casually always scroll endlessly through instagram that i used to yeah and it so it took me to to take time out on on a hajj journey to do things like that and a number of other you know sort of small things but i would say yeah hopefully a number of these small habits collectively plus some other you know personal things that i was thinking about on hajj uh, have been very transformative overall it's really good to hear yeah, one of the things i want to just share is when i came back from hajj so i was quite young when i went for hajj i was in my 20s and you know when you when you're there like your whole life revolves around praying in in the haram because you want those extra rewards you naturally you're planning your day like what time you're going to wake up what time you sleep just so that you can go inside the haram and pray when i was there i was there for two weeks and that's all we're doing and when i returned back i was driving across london to home i remember it was rush hour and it was stuck in traffic and then it just hit me that you know when we go back to our normal lives we spend most of our day going to work or coming back to work whereas mm-hmm. when i was in mecca or medina i spent most of my days going to my prayers and everything else mm-hmm. was built around my prayers and even the businesses over there like everything is built around the prayer time and that was like mm-hmm. it was just like for me that's when the penny dropped like well you know i'm living my life completely incorrectly now mm-hmm. i should be making more of an effort to you know any decisions i make about okay what time should i go out what ta- what time should i do this it should be around the prayer times rather than the other way around and i think it for me it was the experience mm-hmm. of hajj that changed that mindset for me yeah so that feels like a common observation or feeling that uh, many people have even myself and that you know what you went through what you experienced and then coming back and it's how do you reconcile these two different feelings of different relationships to time one of the things that you know you it's distinctly unique about i think makkah and medina is everything is in relation to the prayer so it's like oh meet you after asr or oh i'm going to get there an hour before fajr there's not this sense of like oh i'll meet you at 2 p.m. or what are you doing at 7 p.m. it's like oh we'll meet you after maghrib and just that s- subtle shift you know means of course like you said your day is more uh, you're much more aware and then an interesting observation i heard i think during hajj or around that time was from a scholar sharing that because you know that the clock and the 24 hours is a very human construction i had someone describe it you know at a sort of 
metaphysical level representing the ego. So the clock is actually our ego's attempt to fit everything into a system that suits us. So, you know, we have an hour for this or in two hours we need to be here or and, and that sort of construction where, you know, in the natural order of things, it's it's not, it's much more organic, it's much more bound to, you know, the, and that changes throughout the day in the orbit. And, and what was interesting then is that when you go around the Kaaba, when you do your Tawaf, you actually go anti-clockwise. You're going against the time. <laughs> so I, uh, wow. I you know, it was an interesting symbolic thing that someone suggested, probably just a, an interesting thing to think about. So there's lots of these hidden wisdoms in going to a place like that. You come back and reassess your relationship to time and prayer and so on. I like that. I like that a lot. I mean, there's been so many takeaways in just in this intro. Like, oh, there's so many reflections I've already got going around in my head. It's almost as if I don't want to move off this topic. <laughs> <laughs> Book your ticket, Foss. I'm happy to do a part three, but I'm sure your audiences are, are, are probably going to get pretty fatigued hearing my voice for so long. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is a, it's a profound thing. And it's the four of the five pillars of faith. So it's very significant in, in many ways. And I feel like I'm still processing it and, and it's going to take me time to fully appreciate all the things that happened there. And, you know, I appreciate being able to unpack it with you guys as well and your audience as well. I appreciate them listening and I'm sure yeah. you judge that have they're being listening are thinking about now their own journeys, their own day on Arafat, their own time sitting on the roof of the Prophet's mosque in the mornings and things like that. So, so yeah, very special times. Alhamdulillah, it's a big, big gift and blessing to be able to go. So I'm, I'm very uh, happy I could share that with you guys. Yeah. That opening section for me is inspiring for anyone wanting to go in Hajj. But even from Anis, I can tell it's like exciting just reflecting on everything that anyone that's been on Hajj as well. I'm just going to give a quick recap of what we covered off last time before we carry on within the episode. Um, in part one, so we spoke about you converting to Islam. We found about you, your company is Lige, the Salam Sisters dolls. You gave us an insight into design thinking and how anybody can get creative. There's still so much to cover and who knows, maybe in a few months we can do a part three. <laughs> but we're back for part two, so let's go crack on. We closed our episode last time with a little bit of a cliffhanger. We asked, you know, what's your biggest idea? So I guess we can pick up from there. So from, you know, the work you've done today, what's been your biggest idea? Something you've been proud of? <laughs> right. So that was where we left it. I see. I've forgotten. Post yeah. It's like a whole <laughs> chapter. So what was my biggest idea? Well, rather than think about biggest, you know, maybe I think about, well, what kind of idea would have the most impact in our time and in our life. Mm. And uh, when, you, when you work in design and you work on design problems, the biggest problems are the biggest design opportunities. The biggest challenges we face are, are waiting for design to come and help. It's not so much, oh, I have this idea that I've invented an umbrella that makes rain on Hutch. Like that's sort of a small mind thing, mm. you know, it, but it is a relevant idea and it will help a lot of people probably. You know, if I get very personal about it, it's probably been the things that I've most immediately seen around me, how design can impact. So, of course, through the, you know, we talk a lot about the Salam Sisters brand, which is inspired by my, my daughters and, you know, my other friends that are parents and their kids. And so now seeing that these are getting out more into the world, we're getting stories and videos and pictures every day of kids and parents sharing those things. And so that idea of just seeing that change and that, you know, that positivity and, uh, around that brand, it's been really special. And that's very recent memory. 
But maybe if I thought about in terms of just conceptually ideas that I think are relevant and, you know, hopefully have some real long-term benefit or projects like Islam Imagined, I can't remember if I talked about that one or not, but Islam Imagined was, it's this idea I had of like trying to really encourage and facilitate uh, young Muslims to really embrace their creativity and upskill themselves in learning design skills and learning about how they can embrace and they should and must embrace this sort of designer mindset or imaginative thinking into their you know, lives and their daily practice, whatever they might be studying or doing or working in. So that project, Islam Imagined, I, st- I hope is a, is, a, is a big idea that just encouraging some faith-inspired STEAM activities. So STEAM is sort of based around STEM type of learning. And so that has lots of things like, you know, the space mosque, you know, what, describe what the space mosque would be like. And watching a mm-hmm. bunch of kids work on that is great. But there's other more meaningful things around there, you know, relating to AI. And one simple idea I had recently is like, because my team's very global and we're all in different countries, I'm like, oh, wouldn't it be cool to have a floating office in the clouds and every day we just fly up from, you know, in a pod, you know, probably a, a Tesla pod or something to the global office mm-hmm. in the clouds. We work for the day and then we all kind of go back <laughs> at different times. You know, it would be cool and it's feasible at some point, you know. Uh, so that was a big idea. My team liked the sound of that. <laughs> Make it happen. <laughs> yes, I think that could work. There's a couple of interesting things you touched on. I just want to go to those points. You mentioned that people are sending you stories about Salam Sisters and you know the impact it's had. Are you able to share any of the stories or impacts it's had? One of the consistent things is people saying, their kids saying, oh, mommy, it looks like me. Oh, look at this doll. This looks like my sister or whatever. And and just because uh, they've been designed for that purpose in mind, very specifically the, the type of cultural influences that you see in each face, we put a lot of time into those. So, yeah, but even I saw just a video yesterday that really made my day where this mom, she's opening the packaging box and, and the kid, the two girls and the, the younger brother is standing around the box. And obviously the mom has built up like, or shown them online, so I'm sisters. And then as she opens it, it, it's just like they're just in such delight. They're jumping and running around and they're screaming like, yeah, my God, so I'm sisters, <laughs> you know, and it's, um, <laughs> it's just making my day because it was always the hope, um. And of course, the Humble Other Brands being now featured on Huffington Post and BuzzFeed and, you know, different media and MSN and all these places have, you know, really supported what we're about. So, um, yeah, lots of cool stories coming through like that at the moment. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. And you also mentioned Islam Imagined. And I mentioned in the last episode that I was going to do it during summer with my son. And I actually spent some time with my son. He started working through the, the lessons you have. And this, right. I guess, just for the audience. So the the concept behind it is it gives you an idea behind how you should think about design. So there's a video on it, your children or even me, I was actually interested in like just watching the video and how you think about design. And the first task was create your own wudu bottle, like a portable wudu bottle. And it was amazing. Just the ideas my son came out with. And I'll send you a picture, Peter. But like he yeah, went to please. a digital clock on his bottle. He went digital clock on his bottle showing the Salah times with an alarm. And I think that's genius. Like, I wouldn't have thought of that. Like if I yeah. bought a bottle and it's got the time of Salah on it, it's my wudu but it was a great idea. So we work through all the different tasks and things like that. It's an amazing thing to do with your children. But just generally, I think, yeah, applying that to your faith is is, is an amazing experience within itself. Alhamdulillah, it's a really special one. And it's just open. The whole idea of Islam Imagine, it's just open, free activities. Anyone can download them and use them, you know, school or homeschoolers or just in your parents. And yeah, you know, and re- you can also remix and make your own versions and so on. But yeah, that's the, the point is that was really inspired. But like, look, you know, 
the young people, they're built in with this awesome creativity. Like your creative peak is around like four or five or something where you just have no filters and you just come out with cool ideas. And as older you get sort of generally because of everything, your, your frame of reference becomes more closed of what you how you think about what a wudu bottle is and what it should look like and when you use it and how. But you know, your son, mashallah, has a different frame of mind. It's like, oh, well, yeah, it should have a digital interface with time on it. And then, you know, like it's just that kind of thinking now imagine we had a generation of Muslims around the world being really yeah. encouraged to use those skills and, and bring those into whatever you're working on, whether you're in accounting or you're a sports, you know, sort of consultant or you're some, uh, or you're a teacher or whatever. Like bring that mindset of imaginative design thinking and your faith, you know, really helps inspire that process. That's when you talk about big ideas. I think it's a simple idea. Yeah. I'm not, definitely not the first to have it, but you know. I'd love to see renewed focus on on our creativity, as in the past. You know, Muslims were well known for their you know their architecture, their design. You know, creating whole unique visual archetypes and languages, and expressing different faith contexts through calligraphy or mosaic tiling, and so on. We should continue that with our you know apps and our digital platforms and our VR and AR and AI. <laughs> you know, why not? We should. We have to keep keep the journey going. Yeah. And one of the things you're known for is building a community. You do a lot of work in terms of bringing people together, whether it's the creative ummah or you know creating a, a network for Muslim for kids. Could you share some tips on, on the importance of what you're doing in terms of building that community, especially with regards to a creative ummah? Certainly. Yeah. So, so one thing I thought about because I you know, became Muslim where I grew up here in Australia and, you know, I really, when I was into over 15 years ago, but I was looking for this, um, I was looking for communities and people to connect with. I was, you know, interested in design and creativity and lots of things. And over time, things like entrepreneurship. And, you know, I felt like the community where I was in Sydney at that time was, was very small and limited. And I couldn't find people that, you know, that were really active in that. Whereas, I could, when I started Googling or whatever, I could find people, this is before like Facebook was big, but I could find people uh, in forums in you know, the UK or you know, little pockets here in the US or even Malaysia. And I just felt like there's such cool, inspiring people. So I feel like it's been a theme in my journey is finding pockets of people and trying to help them connect and, and share and, and also just be able to address the same sort of issues and challenges we have. So a project like Creative Uma has been on a journey itself but it's really just the whole concept is, you know, recognizing that there's these great pockets of talents and, you know, very inspiring individuals and brands out there and creating a website and a community where they can just, you know, people can connect and share their kind of advice and their experiences. And there's sort of related things. So, you know, I, around that, I've created things like uh, MuslimKidsGuide.com or MuslimGiftGuide.com. And there's a sort of this broad, loose kind of grassroots network we call Like-Hearted Network. So, the like-hearted network is a really cool way to, not everyone's necessarily like-minded, but most Muslims are like-hearted in terms of what they would like to see, like positive change in the world. So that's just a big Slack platform. And if there's anyone interested in joining, they can just reach out to us. And so we have over 500 people now on that. And it's just about trying to connect people that are driven and they're interested in using their creativity, their imagination, or there might be investors on there that are looking to fund things, or there might be thinkers on there that just want to share ideas. This whole community, we have the means and the tools and the platforms now to, to connect. And then such cool things happen when you when you see these people, these ideas spark and collaborations happen and little events pop up around the globe. 
this is really important and we can help facilitate that. So it's, yeah, that's kind of the, the community aspect that I guess I, yeah. humble I've been able to be involved with somehow. And and I love the name like-hearted. You know, we may have different ideologies or come from different backgrounds, but everyone is the same purpose, but mm. different ways of implementing it. So, uh, yeah, it's a beautiful name. Humble, yeah. Our next one will be in Dubai in end of October. We'll do like a like-hearted gathering there at the Global Islamic Economy Summit, which is a really cool event for anyone interested in this kind of space. And I'll be doing a session there around design and the Islamic economy and entrepreneurship and startups in the Muslim space. And our studio members from our studios of each team will be there as well doing different sessions. So yeah, I, I always look forward to those kinds of events. And you can't beat that face-to-face interaction yeah. or doing a workshop, doing a few cool things. So uh, yeah, I, I always get feed off that energy and get that inspiration from when all these people come together. Inshallah, I'm, I'll be there this year. So we get to Great. meet you. Yeah. Well, I'm going to put you, I'm going to bring you into my session, yeah. which is around design and empowering change. So that's great. I might, I, I'll, I'll get you to help co, co-facilitate one of the, um, oh, one of the groups in it. So yeah, there's no escape now. You're in it, <laughs> I'm in it now. Yeah. Well, sure. Of course. Love oh, to help man. Out. I'm actually getting formal now. I might just fly, fly in. <laughs> <laughs> Come on in. Come on in, bro. It'll be fun. It'll be really fun. But that's great, Peter. And it's amazing hearing, you know, how all of this is coming to life and the whole, you know, it's, it's, it's true to your brand, right? So that's what Zalij means when you mentioned it in the first episode. It's about the different tiles and bringing it all together. And yeah, it's amazing seeing it come to life. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. It's a big blessing. Um, so we're going to move on to our quick fire round. So we're going to ask you okay. some questions. You can just shout out whatever you think or your thought. It doesn't have to be quick. We just call it a quick fire round for the, I don't know why. We still need to change this. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> Fire away. Okay, so I'll shoot first. What's your favorite brand? Oh, come on, man. How can I do a quick fire round like this? <laughs> well, there's a difference between a favorite brand and favorite company. But I think as still as a brand, I still think the Apple brand is a, just a great example of how brand works that doesn't mean to say i love everything about that what they do or their products or a big fanboy but Hmm. as a brand you know as a global brand few will argue that against how effective and how influential they've become over the last uh, 15 years or more yeah i've fallen for the branding tricks yeah yeah that's (laughs) it i use their i use them uh, during um the branding workshops that i do in, and, and one thing about branding is it's not so much how it looks you got to get away from thinking oh this is how a brand looks it's really it's how you feel about it is that's the brand lives really in your emotions not just in your brain so you know people have feelings around apple but of course that's triggered by how the products look how everything works how everything's integrated mm-hmm. what the stores look like you know the language they use these are all the things that go into the making of a brand so if you're making your own brand it's interesting to look at apple and say well why do why do they always look a certain standard you know what if they all of a sudden changed their wording to, to bright pink and then you know the images were not so good it just break everything so yeah that's the kind of stuff we spend a lot of time you know doing at our studio is getting everything consistent but i realize i'm I'm taking us away from the quick fire uh, format. <laughs> Sorry. It's fine. It's always happened. That's why I said we need to change the name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You should be like, yeah, just the fu- call it the fire round. Just the fire round. <laughs> yeah, or long fire. <laughs> long fire, yeah. Sounds good. So the next long fire question is the worst design you've ever come across. 
<laughs> well, all right. There's a really good. So I don't know if you guys know Reddit, but I use Reddit a lot. And there's um there's a sub. Yeah. So Reddit's like I'm all over a, Reddit. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. so there's a um you know everyone loves their own subreddits. You know, which these you know. So for those who don't know, these are like little you know sort of internet communities that are, you know based around particular topics and it's you know it can be very amusing and also a lot of time wasted but there's one called it's a reddit called crappy <laughs> design and it just has all these great examples of like the most like how could anyone possibly design and then think that would work so <laughs> you know and there's always simple things like there'll be like a you know a disabled like a wheelchair access ramp but it goes straight into a wall or there'll be some the word the way they put the word so there's so many on there there's lots of things day to day even like i would say that this is controversial but if you think about a car of course you know cars we're just so used to but they're also cars are very dangerous a lot of people get injured all the time from cars they use up so much of the earth's resources you know so much of our infrastructure and everything and it goes into roads you know so in terms of design i think i like the look of certain cars so much and the experience of cars but as a system, I think transport, we can do so much better. So I would say, you know, cars as a design solution are very limited. And we, you know, if we had these kind of smart driverless kind of vehicles and things like that in the future, I think that would be great. So, but I'll stop, I'll stop at the, the long fire answers. <laughs> That's awesome. I've subscribed to the crappy design subreddit. <laughs> I'm going to add a link. <laughs> yeah, you'll thank me later. <laughs> Enjoy. Many hours will be wasted. <laughs> so the last of our long fire questions is your favorite book. Oh, okay. I have to break it up into short categories, but I would say mm-hmm. I really appreciate the study Quran, which came out, I think, a couple of years ago, which is an all English Quran that is, for me, the right level of English that I really get deep and deeper understanding of Quran. So in terms of, you know, religious texts, I think that's probably a very powerful one. But outside of that, gosh, um, there's many. I really loved, there's an old one called The Agony and Ecstasy, which is about, it's basically a you know historical fiction of, of Michelangelo and his journey. That was amazing. Mm-hmm. There's so many. I mean, I always loved the Lord of the Rings style books. I read one start of the year I loved called, the, you know, Designing Your Life, which is about, you know, just rethinking of your life as serious experiments and like design processes. So yeah, a book like that. Things like Tim Ferriss' Four Hour Work Week is a classic that changed my yeah. thinking about work some years ago, and a lot of the his stuff, Tribe of Mentors, and those kind of books. Yeah, it, it's not fair to say favorite book because it depends on which topic <laughs> or what. If it's a, just a fun <laughs> book or is it a, a book? But um, there you go. That's my long answer. Awesome, brilliant. So many tips there. So before we let you go, Peter, we have one final question but before we ask that final question where can people find you and what's next for you yeah they can google my name and i'm the other peter gould so there's two peter goulds that are always at the top of google (laughs) and the the first one is the guy who wrote breaking bad the series the tv series which is really funny (laughs) and we follow each other on twitter and occasionally he'll retweet me which is kind of amusing um but my basically you can (laughs) yeah um, you can basically, he's a cool guy. Uh, basically, you can find me on any social media media at Peter Gould Art. So you just basically add ART at the end of my name. You'll find me on Insta, on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on everything. And then you can just, you can go to my site, subscribe to my blog at peter-gould.com. From there, you'll find all the stuff, including 
I blog about all the books that changed my life. So if you want more books, there's a longer answer to your question. I actually made awesome. a blog uh, some time ago with all those books that I found very helpful. And what's next for me, you asked? Well, you know, Bismillah is just continuing the journey. You know, uh, honestly, we, we've put a lot of love and time into finishing Slum Sisters recently. And so we'll keep driving that. But we're also looking, always looking for cool people to work with and organizations. So if you have a cool design project, then please reach out to the team and I and great to chat. Brilliant. And uh, final question then, Peter, if you could broadcast one message across the world, what would it be? I think I'd have to say something a little bit cheesy, but it'd just be like, probably peace be upon you, you know, because it has a lot of depth and richness and meaning to it. But it's also, I've seen the power of just using peace as a greeting, both at an inner level, you know, people have that inner peace, that inner calm, but also just, you know, peace in the world is that universal, you know, human aspiration that we all want that peace or that sakina. So yeah, I just peace be upon you. Wow. That's such a cool answer. But thank you so much, Peter. We've loved having you on for both episodes. You know, I would love to chat for ages again. You have been very inspirational, not just your story and Hajj for anyone thinking about it, but even the work you're doing, you know, you really get a sense that, you know, you've got a purpose. You want to make a difference. You want to help people. You want to support people. And just from my own personal point of view, it's very inspiring as well. And I'm sure all of our listeners, I'm sure I know Anise is very inspired as well. So Jazakallah for coming on and thank you for all the work you're doing. And, you know, it's been amazing having you on. Wayaka, very welcome. Thanks so much, guys. It was really good to chat. Bye. Not over just yet, everyone. Of course, we've got to plug ourselves. We hope you enjoyed this episode and took away some gold nuggets of wisdom. Remember to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. If you wanted to give us any feedback, praise, or if you have any suggestions for guests, send us an email to info at onefootinthesync.com. You can also find us on Facebook, just search One Foot in the Sink, or Instagram at One Foot in the Sink, or Twitter at the number one foot in the sink. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and look out for new episodes every other Monday, or fortnightly, or bi-weekly, whatever you want to call it, let's go with two weekly. That's me all done, see you guys soon!